When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Euro Digest here on the Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Wembley ready for a tartan invasion as England eye the knockouts. Scotland out to save their Euros. Plus, De Bruyne dazzles in Copenhagen as Belgium head into the last 16. That and more to get into today. Here along for the ride, we have Football.London's West Ham correspondent, Tom Clark, and north of the border to even things up, sports reporter at the Daily Record, Michael Gannon. Guys, I hope you're both well. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you first, and we'll look back on yesterday's action before we get into the, the big game today. Of course, uh, Czech Republic and Croatia facing off at Hampden. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the game in Copenhagen first, I think. Kevin De Bruyne off the bench at halftime. Denmark winning 1-0 in that. And uh, yeah, Belgium running out 2-1 two, two winners. De Bruyne with an assist and a goal. Oh, it's just some player, isn't it, De Bruyne? Last, last season, he was the player I was most looking forward to watching of, of all the... Of all the trips, obviously covering West Ham, so get to see, get to go up to Manchester City for that game in uh, February, and and he didn't actually have a great game there, but he was just he was the player I wanted to watch, and and that assist for the first goal was was ridiculous. I was I was chatting with some friends, and you know one of them pointed out, oh, what a run from from Lukaku with the first time he got in behind. It's like, yeah, absolutely, but it was De Bruyne who took three players out with, you know, I think the commentary was was saying, you know, there, there were two occasions there that any normal player would have had a shot, and and he didn't, and he. Two of them went sliding on past him when he checked back in and then he cut the other one out with the pass for the easiest of finishes. And God, what a player. Just so pleased that that injury wasn't one to, to keep him out of the tournament because he's he's the player to watch. I, I love watching him play football. Yeah, Michael. Belgium looked good in their, their first game, didn't they? Got a 3-0 win in that one. But then they have Kevin De Bruyne able to come into the side and you can all of a sudden understand why they are the world-ranked number one side. Yeah, you can see it. Listen, anytime I've watched Belgium in the flesh, they've been they've been superb. But listen, they've got they've got questions to answer. This is this is their moment. This is probably the last chance for this kind of golden generation um, to win a major trophy. And that's that's what I love about De Bruyne. You can almost get a sense that big players seize big moments, don't they? And you get an impression this is a guy that can really grab this tournament by the scuff of the neck now. Now that he's proved that he's kind of back and he can get towards fitness. And that kind of moment last night shows you that's a guy. That's a guy. That, the very, very top level, taking control and, and doing the business. But it's um, there's a lot of pressure on Belgium. I think they've got to go and they've got to go and really compete in this tournament. And I think they've got to get to the kind of um semi-final final. And this this might be the last of the day. So it's it's gonna be interesting. But they're a cracking team. See when they click, I think they are the best when they click. Um maybe they haven't got the strength and depth of other other nations. Um but when they've got one to eleven their top team out, which is obviously De Bruyne is, is in there in there. They are there they could take some stopping. Um, but yeah, it was um, some display, wasn't it? Yeah, completely agree with you. I think France probably have the, the deepest squad, don't they? But you can only get 11 on the pitch. And if Belgium's best 11 can be on the pitch more often than not, they are going to take some stopping. Just quick word on on Denmark, Tom. And of course, they marked Christian Eriksen and his recovery in the, the 10th minute, kicking the ball out of play and the whole stadium in applause. Christian Eriksen, I think just 400 yards or so away in the, the, the nearby hospital. But they took the lead in this game and certainly for the first 45 minutes really showed what they were all about. And they could yet still just sneak through as a as a third place team. 
Yeah, they looked really good, didn't they, in that first half? They they really did. They took the they just started. Obviously, they got the goal inside two minutes, but they just started like you know, maybe obviously they're incredibly upset, obviously, from the Ericsson incident. And it's just, you know, amazing and brilliant to see that he's gonna make a recovery and, and there's even talk that maybe he'll play again because uh um Daily Blind has had a similar um, heart, uh, I'm not sure what it's called being put in, but you know, Daily Blinders have one and he's still playing, so maybe Ericsson will come back. Obviously, not anytime soon, but but it was just you know, what happened for them as a team is just horrendous. And the fact that they had to go, go back on and finish the game against Finland and it just felt like they went out there against Belgium and and they were playing for Christian, they were they, they really were. And it was a lovely touch, and the whole stadium stopped, and you saw all the fans with their Ericsson shirts. and. Yeah, Denmark are a good side, aren't they? And I, you have to think, had had the Ericsson situation not happened against Finland, you would have backed them to to get the three points there, and definitely backing them to win their last group game. Whether that will be enough, you know, that that's yet to be seen. It could come down to goal difference. Um, I think we saw that in the last tournament with the third place teams. If you get a, a zero or a positive goal difference on three points, you're likely to go through. So, so fingers crossed because you know Denmark have, have got to be everyone's second team now, haven't they? Yeah, actually thinking about the maths of it, they could yet maybe still finish second if they beat Russia and Finland lose to, to Belgium. They'd all be on three points. Belgium would be on nine. So, yeah, interesting and uh, have to have to see how that one does play out. Let, let's then move on to the Netherlands game then, Michael. 2-0 win over Austria for them. They're through as well to the last 16. And defensively, they looked all over the place against Ukraine. But yesterday, they're pressing in particular, certainly with Jeannie Wijnaldum, who makes you scratch your head as to why Liverpool have let him go. They really seem to be at it right from the moment go. Yeah, I think I think the Netherlands are, are going to be worth watching. I think there's fun to be had there. I, I saw them um, in Portugal the week before the tournament started against Scotland. And I thought at times they looked really good. At times they looked a bit of shambles. And I think we've seen that in the first game as well. Terrific at times. Fairly shambolic at other times. I also think there's, there's, there's the usual kind of. It's great to have some sort of um, back to normality. There's some bubbling below the surface. The Holland squad as usual. They all don't get on and all that stuff. There's infighting and there's. I think it was like anti-vaxxers before the tournament and all this kind of stuff. It's. Um, I think there was, it was a plane that went over the training ground, wasn't there? About how De Boer should be playing four-three-three or something like that. So all kinds of things under the surface. Not quite exploded yet, but it's always the overhaul, isn't it? A major tournament, which is great. Um, but they've got a fairly. I think if they can get through this 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 section, I think they're also qualified now. But I think they've got a fairly, a fairly gentle half of the draw. I think they can avoid like France and um, Germany. I think uh, Italy. They can avoid them, so they might actually sneak to towards the kind of quarter semi-finals without the implosion. But I still think that's going to come at some point. I think it will be spectacular. I think it's um, they can keep an eye on them. That's for sure. Yeah, it's all without Van Dijk as well and, and Van der Beek as well, ruled out as well. So they are missing a couple of key players. But Denzel Dumfries, Michael, probably should actually stay with you and ask you about Denzel Dumfries because he sounds like he should be playing for Scotland at right back, but he's <laughs> scoring goals for Holland. You'll have missed a trick with this guy. He sounds like a <laughs> for us, doesn't he? Denzel Dumfries. No, he uh, certainly does. But he also, he also, to me, strikes me as sort of a, a prime tournament kind of player. He's been linked quite heavily with Everton. But he's a right back, scored two goals, Tom. I'm not sure how uh, how sort of... Likely that's going to continue over a longer a longer spell. No, I think I was uh, reading the stat that he'd scored, you know, in his 19 caps before the Euros, he hadn't scored any goals and he scored two and two in the Euros. And just think with, with the Netherlands, they're, they're great fun to watch, but an organised and, you know, well-organised, good attack inside, I think will we'll have a field day against them. I mean, it's Austria have not been very good in their first two games. Ukraine were incredibly open in that first game. The, 
where Ukraine had to make a sub in the first half and that, that left flank was just completely open and Dumfries was just there every time and just just watching it at home on the, uh, um, I think it was the Sunday evening game. And you just just think like, surely Shevchenko needs to move something around here in the first half or at least at half time. But no, Dumfries was just there every single time bombing down that wing. Um, he's, he's clearly a very good player, but with it's your, your right back who's, you know, coming towards the end of the game and he's he's up there supporting the striker. Then, then there's obviously a big hole behind him as well, which... You know, a, a team. I, th- I think. I think it's Italy. They might face in the quarterfinals. And having, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, th- I think I did the bracket, and I, I had that. And I would uh, think Italy would absolutely tear them apart. Yeah, no, most definitely. We, Michael, we got the the golden boot race as well, bubbling away. So many players on, on two goals right now. It, it really is sort of fairing up quite well. It's, it's all it's all to play for, isn't it? Um... Listen, don't forget we've got we've got she Adams could sneak in there as well. Don't let's not be, be <laughs> making any um, assumptions at this stage. But um yeah, but you are you're, you're waiting for someone to kind of explode with a hat trick, aren't you? Or something like that to kind of burst it wide open, aren't you? But it's all there. Um interesting to see who goes on all the way. Uh, I guess you guys will be thinking uh Ari Keenan but I'm running soon as well. Um again, so it'll be interesting. Hopefully not tonight. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, I, I don't think you can leave it much longer until a few maybe pull away. So maybe match match day two might be a prime opportunity for him. We'll, we'll get into that game very shortly indeed. But one more game from yesterday to quickly just t- touch on, and that's Ukraine beating North Macedonia. Two penalties in this game, both saved. Dalioski did hit in his rebound for North Macedonia. But Tom, should ask you, I, I suppose you're probably primed to be our... Ukraine expert somewhat with Andrei Yarmolenko, started one game in the Premier League all season for West Ham and yet he scored two goals in this tournament and certainly his one against Holland was an absolute beauty. Well, you say I should be the uh, the, the Yarmolenko expert. I, I never get to see him play. He doesn't get the game, but he's... Um... He's a. I said this yesterday. He's he's a different beast when he plays for Ukraine. He's, he's the captain. He's trusted. He starts every game for them. His record is absolutely incredible. He's he's almost up to a hundred caps now, and he scored forty four. I think it is goals for his for his country. Second only to Shevchenko. He scores more than a goal every other game. It's yeah. It's absolutely amazing what he's doing, and um, and he was with his right foot as well yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen him touch the ball with his right foot in his life, and he manages to. Uh, but I mean, his, his goal against the Netherlands was was absolutely outstanding. And I mean, when you give a player who has got that in his locker so much space, uh, but but the height and the dip he got on that to get it over um, Stekelenburg in in the Netherlands goal was was brilliant. But yeah, he's um, he's a different player and. West Ham used him a couple of times in cup games to play through the middle because Antonio was either injured or they needed to give him a give him a rest. And he and then Yarmolenko picked up an injury in the cup game away to Man United and didn't play again um, for until the last couple of games of the season. He got a few minutes off the bench. I mean, it looks like he'll be leaving West Ham this summer, but there's no other transfer activity going on at the Hammers at the minute. And uh, he is on big wages. That's the thing. So you get him off the books there. But otherwise, with a European campaign, he's. He has got things to offer. You just have to trust him, play him in his right position and and give him a run of games. I think with the Europa League campaign coming up, he really could could be useful as a squad player for West Ham, but he isn't a starter. And I guess he probably wants to be a starter. The, the big talk is going back to Ukraine and playing for Kiev, where he started as as a lad. And and yeah, you can probably see why somebody why he would like to do that. You know, a guy is 30, 31, wants to go back home, wants to play regular football, you know, get get his hundred caps for Ukraine. Can see why that would work for both both sides, really. 
Yeah, there is talk about Roman Yeremchuk, who was the, the other goal scorer for Ukraine as well. But as you say, not much really happening on the transfer front right now for West Ham. No, there is very little happening on the transfer front. We've we've just had David Moyes' confirmation that he's signed the contract, which was in the pipeline for a while, but it's been confirmed. But his backroom stuff hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, so there's probably things going on with, with the scouting. But yeah, Yeremchuk scored, scored two. He's he's joint top goal scorer. Um, he's got an assist to his name. So I think he's actually top of the the goal scoring charts for, for now um, with, with Yarmolenko. Actually, talk about golden boot winners. Talk about Harry Kane. You've got, got Yarmolenko is going to be banging them in. But um, but yeah, no, Yurenchuk, he he looks a player. He's, he's 25. He scored um, six, six, uh, 19 goals in the in the Belgian league. But, you know, there's a caveat that is the Belgian league. But he's, he's looked very good. But then also... I did say the Netherlands haven't had a great defence in that first game, and they, you know, and then North Macedonia are probably not the uh, the hardest of uh, of opposition, and they've got Austria to come. And it's you would imagine, and, and David Moyes is very diligent when it comes to to scouting. So I don't think he's going to sign a player based on tournament football. I think he's going to, you know, they're going to have looked at the games in Belgium. They're going to have looked at him over the last couple of years, and will make a decision there. But I mean, West Ham desperately need a striker, desperately. Really, I mean, it's how they've got this this long second half of the season without one is was a bit of an odd one anyway. So it's there, there's a lot of links with with strikers for West Ham and how how many of them actually come to fruition. We don't know how many of them are actually true. We don't know either. But Yeremchuk looks looks decent, and I don't think West Ham fans would be too would I think I think they would be quite happy if if he was brought in. Let's move on to today's action then. Eight o'clock at Wembley, England versus Scotland. 25 years on from Euro 96, we get a rematch at the Euros of the two sides. Michael, what's the, the thoughts in Scotland? We've had the, the Football Digest podcast yesterday with John Cross, Andy Dunn, Jeremy Cross and Matt Dunn all talking sort of broadly from an English perspective. So, so what's the feeling north of the border? Um, I think there's a little bit of trepidation now. Um, I think we came into this this tournament with a lot of optimism. Um, I think we were uh, we'd only lost two to twice in kind of fourteen games. Got through the, the playoffs and the penalty shootouts and all that stuff. The drama, excitement, um, good performance against Holland and the kind of warm up matches. So we came in with a lot of optimism, and I think that was kind of punctured quite badly uh, with the Czech game. I think we thought that was an opportunity to go off to a flyer. Um, but it didn't go to plan. I think um, I don't think Scotland played all that badly in the match itself. I think we started poorly. And we got a little bit nervous and they went with kind of long ball, which wasn't the way we've been playing in, in recent years. And obviously we lost a, um, an opening goal. And then the second goal is, listen, it's a bit of a freak, the second goal, let's be honest. It's a magnificent finish from there. But it was ridiculous. And that's a 100 effort. You don't see that often. Um, but, it's, but it's definitely deflated the kind of optimism. Um, going to this one, there's a little bit of a worry now, um, especially with England playing quite well against Croatia in the first game. So I think now we're, we're up against it. It's going to take something special, I think, to get a to get a result. I still think, I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion we're going to go there and, and, and get thumped. I don't think that's, that's that kind of game. I think the sides are, aren't, I don't think the gap is as big as it's been at certain points in the last kind of 15, 20 years. I think it's, uh, it's narrower. I think it looks to me like a, a, a Premier League game. But a kind of a Champions League top four, six side, Champions League side against like in a kind of mid-table, maybe Europa League kind of English side. I think that's what we're looking at. And if that's the case, listen, 
there's no guarantees that it's going to be the result either way. So I think it's, there's a game on here. We've got a wee bit of belief, but it's been damaged. But it's um, it's it's a kind of game on situation. Let's go for it and see how it goes. Yeah, I think it's going to be a proper British blood and thunder game as well. As you say, I think the weather's probably going to help play into that as well. Wet down in London today, I think, and hopefully brightening up a bit by the time that the, the game kicks yeah. off. But it's it's not <laughs> going to be absolutely baking like it was at the weekend when, when England were playing against Croatia, that's for sure. But Tom, in terms of the game from an England perspective as well, there's a bit of talk about Gareth Southgate maybe making two changes. I think when a lot of people saw that squad on Sunday, they would have said, well, the strongest side is a lot more than two changes, but a left-footed left-back coming in and maybe Jack Grealish. But I suppose it's also a big vote of confidence in that Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips midfield too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Declan Rice has been nailed on if fit to be a starter for for the past year or so. He's um, and and this isn't just saying this from the West Ham perspective, but he but he's a he's a fantastic footballer. He's, he's actually somebody that I've appreciated more by seeing him live. He, he does a lot of people talk that he was really quiet on the weekend. Well, that's that's what he's good at. If he's if he's doing his job well, you don't see him a huge amount. And and it, yeah, he's obviously Calvin Phillips was was superb against against Croatia. So I think he was the one that maybe there were question marks about over not not Rice. And but yeah, the two of them have got a got a very good partnership. Um, the a left a left footed left back. I mean, I, Kieran Trippier is a fantastic footballer, so I would have no problem with him starting again. But yeah, you know, we've we've got this squad, and hopefully, hopefully, England are going to be in the tournament for a while. So you know, you've got. A Champions League winning left back there in Ben Chilwell, or you've got Luke Shaw who's had a superb season. So if one of them came in for Trippier and Trippier moved to right back, or if James came in at right back, or Walker stays, that I mean options. They, these are incredible options that Southgate has got to have, and it's it's nice to have a conversation where we're talking about you know, you know, if if he's leaving these players out, you just look at the bench and the strength in depth England have got is is fantastic. Like you say, only eleven people can be on the pitch but five changes you can make during the game and if and if you get your subs right you can basically change well you can change half your outfield team and refresh things if things aren't going well or you know bring on some fresh legs if you need them and I think England just I think England will have too much for Scotland I do that you know that yes there's the blood and thunder of this you know it's a British rivalry type of game but I think what England did against Croatia was they looked comfortable which was very un-England at one nil up I there was never really a huge threat from Croatia. It didn't feel like Croatia were going to come back into the game. And Croatia weren't as good as we expected them to be. But I I think if if England can just concentrate, take this as any other game, not not think about this as an England-Scotland rivalry, then honestly, I can only see an England win here. Yeah, there's no Lee Griffiths either to, to spoil things for England either. But Michael, in terms of Scotland and their selection as well, Kieran Tierney, Likely to, to come back in. Steve Clark talking him up in the, the press conference ahead of the game. And and Che Adams as well. A lot of clamour for him to, to come into the side as well. Do you see only those two players coming in or do you think there'll be a fair few more changes? I think I think I think that's the, the I think those are the two ones we will see. I think um I think we're surprised that, that Adams didn't start um in the opener. I think he, he looked pretty good for for Scotland. Um that was a, a slight surprise. Um the game plan. I think I remember a slight misstep by by Steve Clark. Um, so I think I would imagine he he will start. Um, Kieran Tierney is the big one for us because he, he's Clark has found the system that works that he can fit Tierney and Andy Robertson in the same team. Um, I know I know Tierney's played that kind of left sided centre back role for Arsenal as well. But he's with Scotland. He's made that a, a position. He's kind of created a position of his own. He's like an attacking centre half, and he actually overlaps Andy Robertson at times. And it works a treat. Um, they gave the Dutch. A torrid time doing that flank. Um, talk about um, Dumfries. He was able that that game as well. So it, 
they, they two are, are so important. So if he's fit, that's a big bonus for us. Um, there is some plus points. I mean, McTominay, middle of the park. You mentioned uh, Rice and Phillips. McTominay, I think, is up there along with these guys. I mean, talking about Manchester United, regular now, playing in Europe. He's a, a top player. He did his best game against the Czechs, but I think the system, perhaps going long early on, didn't really help him. Um, you get John McGinn in there as well. The question is, does, does Callum McGregor come back at the start? I think he does for his legs. Uh, the only problem with Callum McGregor, listen, he's a proven player for Celtic and played Champions League football, a lot of games for Scotland, but he's played a lot of football in the last four or five years. I think he averages about 60 games a season and he looks as though it's caught up with him. Um, but he sat out of the game on, on uh, last Monday, so he may come back in and give him that wee bit of, bit of legs. But I think that's maybe the only other one to, to look at. But um, See, I don't think, listen, I take the point, England... And attacking areas are so much stronger. I think that's the that's the key thing. When you look at the likes of your, your Kane, Sterling, Foden, Rashford. Listen, the list goes on and on, right? Loads of danger there. Um, at the back, I think there's maybe a wee weakness for England, England as well. I don't, I'm not that convinced England at the back. So I think Scotland will get chances. Um, and it's and listen, it's, this is not a kind of FA Cup tie and it's like a League Two team against a Premier League team. It's not that kind of game. I think it's, it's closer than that. So I don't think it will be a procession for England. But I think we have got our work cut out. What about Jack Grealish then, if he were to come into the side? Michael, I'll ask you about him first, because if Scotland, for example, do bring Adams in and he partners Dykes, so they have two nominal forwards on the pitch, they have their five-man defence and, and three in midfield. Surely if you've got sort of Rice, Mount, Phillips and Grealish all in there, that could create quite a big problem for Scotland right, right in the middle of the pitch. And Grealish, and- we know, he's sort of he's a magnet, brings defenders to him. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll go with two. I think he might play Adams up up top on his own with someone supporting him, like a like a Stuart Armstrong or a Ryan Christie, someone who can tuck in and do the running as well. Uh, and those two can do that and and be attacking players. I think they might do that. Like you say, because you need to be careful because um, Gaelish is a great player. I mean, I must admit. I mean, if they, if you're not starting for England, we'll take him um, if you don't want him. Um, but he's a, he's a he's a attacking player. But I understand that, that England have got different. Problems to work out. We had to fit these guys. That's their problem. Um, almost an embarrassment. Riches in that, those kind of areas. Um, but I can't see. I can't see Clark going with two up top. I'd be very surprised if he went two up top. Purely for that reason, we can't. We can't afford to get outnumbered in that, in that kind of middle of the park area. And they might need. Might need the legs that I kind of Armstrong or Christie can bring them. So uh, I would doubt it. Yeah, it feels to me, Tom, that it's going to be a bit of a different game, certainly to the Croatia one. And Scotland might at times have to be stubborn and, and sit deep, and therefore. Sort of the likes of Raheem Sterling, albeit probably expected to play, but maybe someone like Phil Foden, who's a bit more dynamic, there might not be that room for him to run into like he did in the first game. And so it really plays into the hands of a player like Grealish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jack, Jack Grealish is a fantastic player, isn't he? And, and it, the fact he didn't even get on the pitch against Croatia, like Michael said, talks about the strength and depth that they've got. And you can make changes and you can bring in fresh players. And I mean, the way Czech Republic played against Scotland is not how England are going to play against Scotland. They have Czech. Did a, just did a job on on McGinn, which isn't you know he I haven't seen him play that role before for West Ham. It shows what a good player, versatile player is. I don't think England are going to do that. I think England are going to look to to boss possession and and like you say, you know, you're going to have people like Grealish who who just get the ball and he just makes things happen. He runs at defenders. He the amount of free kicks he wins as well, and that that will be something that, that England will be looking to uh, to try and capitalize on. Getting him on the ball, getting him running at defenders, getting players booked, getting free kicks. And, you know, taking advantage of set pieces. I mean, as long as Harry Kane's not taking the set pieces, and if he's in the box trying to get on the end of them, then then it's all good. It's um, 
I, I would love to see Grealish start, but then who who do you leave out for him? You know, is it is it Sterling who had a good game, or is it Foden? It, it's it's a lovely conundrum to have. I'm pleased I'm not Gareth Southgate, but if 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 Grealish is on that in that starting eleven, then England are a stronger team for it. Yeah, uh, just uh, diamond, the diamond shoes are too tight. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just looking at sort of the, the head to head since the the two countries played each other in 2013. This the last four meetings that. They, they've had Michael Scotland has scored five goals in that time albeit they've only been stopped scoring once actually their last visit to Wembley a 3-0 win for England but there will be a threat from Scotland point Tom makes that Scotland won't be playing this game the same way in which they played against the Czech Republic albeit in that game did create an awful lot of chances just Dykes primarily couldn't take them yeah um, I think previous Previous encounters we can really forget about. The themes have changed so much. I think Scotland in particular have been up and down. Um, a decent spell under Gordon Strachan when we got the result at, at, at Hamden against England. But it went a bit kind of south for a few years and back again. So a lot's happened since that point. I actually think under the current manager, under Steve Clark, that Scotland are actually better against the better nations. I think it suits him to set himself up um, against the better teams. I think it's against the kind of likes of Czech Republic, your kind of Slovakia's, and these kind of teams that you have to go and, and, and impress yourself. I think they may struggle a wee bit because they don't have that kind of um, that threat that England, that England possess. Um, but with 19 shots and goal against the Czech Republic, for all for all we struggled to get to um, uh, to score, with 19 shots, and you think at least one of them might have sneaked in for us. Um, and I think they will create. I think England, the way England will play, will allow Scotland to play a certain manner that, that will give them a chance to to spring. I mean, he likes a John McGinn, a great at, at bursting out on, on on the break as well. So we've got runners in those forward areas, and I think the Adams up top, we can put a ball in the back of the net. So I think there will be, I think there will be opportunities. Um, but, and I say, like I say, um, that England defence, I don't think is is the the the, the strongest part of the team. Um, listen, they still get Champions League winners in there and all that stuff, and, and fifty million pound centre backs. I know, I get that, but I still think there's maybe a little bit of a kind of also maybe a wire injury. Um, it's maybe a, a slight weakness that Scotland can maybe capitalise on. Um, mm. I might be clutching here, but I've got to clutch at something, haven't I? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see how it does all play out. We've certainly talked it up, right? The day gets underway with Sweden versus Slovakia at two o'clock, and then following on from that, in England and Scotland's group, Croatia against Czech Republic up at Hamden. Um, Tom, obviously, with your West Ham hat on, you mentioned Suchek already, but his midfield partner, Alex Crow, he's another who's been sort of linked with a move to West Ham United and they look like they've got a very good understanding there in the centre of midfield. Yeah, they did. I, I obviously, follow, having, having covered West Ham, I, I have to uh, to follow Czech Republic and uh, Slavia Prague in particular because it seems that any time Slavia do anything, then um, then one of their players gets linked to West Ham. So, we, But uh, Kral was at Slavia. He's now playing in Spartak Moscow. Didn't think he had a great game against Scotland, but he did have a very good understanding with Suchek. That was the one thing I got from it. I mean, his... His passing stats weren't great. He gave the ball away a fair few times. But the way the two dovetailed, they they clearly, they, they played together before in, in Slavia, as well as with the Czech Republic. They had a very good understanding. And David Moyes did a piece for the Times, a seven for to seven players to look out for um, going into the tournament. And Kral was one of them. And it, it, right, he's not going to release a list of, oh, these are seven players West Ham are scouting. But, it, you know, he he's, he's an intelligent man. He knows what he's doing when he's writing a list of players to watch for. And when one player is heavily linked with West Ham and he's picked him out as seven to watch in the tournament, he kind of put two and two together there. And, I, yeah, he's, he is a good player, but um, didn't have a great game against against Scotland. So it'll be interesting to see 
what it's like is a very, very different midfield for uh, for for the Czech um, the public are facing tonight. Croatia with the likes of uh, Kovacic, Brozovic, and Modric there. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Czech Republic set up to take on Croatia today. Suchek is I mean, he's an absolutely fantastic player. I can't. Maybe they'll put him on a man-marking job again. Maybe he'll be on Modric this time. But um, but yeah, if, if he's doing that, then Kral needs to be the one getting a bit further forward and playing the passes, which he he tended to drop a little bit deeper and let Suchek push forward. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Definitely one to watch for sure. Yeah, David Moyes, very canny operator in the transfer market. You, you'll know better than all of us about that, Tom. But Michael, just in terms of this game, final word for, for you on today's podcast. Scotland, I suppose, maybe hoping for a Czech Republic win, will they? So they go into the game with Croatia and kind of a, a winner-takes-all match. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's possible. I think I think the Czechs, I don't, don't think they're that great at, ha- at Hamden. I think they're a wee bit fortunate in that, that game. Um, but I think they have. I think they're a good side. I think of uh, we listen, me Scotland. We've seen Slavia and Sparta Prague as well uh, against Celtic Rangers. Been pretty impressive as well. Those players are, are, are decent. Um, so I think uh, uh, Croatia. I think are aside on the slide. I know they've got Modric, who's now about oh, must be about nearly forty or something. Like that is a thirty-five year old Modric, who's still great, but he's pushing on a bit as well. Um, I think the Czechs can get us out against Croatia. I think they can sneak it. I think it'll be tight right enough, but I think they can sneak it and give us a chance. And um, once we get a point at Wembley. We can go into the game against Croatia and, uh, and our win will take us through pretty, pretty comfortably. Uh, hopefully you wake up from the daydream before 8 o'clock, Michael. But it's been, uh, been great having you on with us. Michael Gannon and Tom Clark joining myself, Guy Clark, here on today's edition of the Euro Digest. Until next time, it's bye for now.